covering Daniel 5 and 6 this morning. We've been looking at a few different stories throughout Scripture over the last few weeks, and uh, we've kind of set up camp in the book of Daniel. Uh, just in the first six chapters of Daniel, there are really three good stories, uh, great stories. I guess maybe you could say four. Some of these uh, could probably stand alone that we've combined, but there's a lot of good stuff in the first six chapters of Daniel, so we've just kind of set up camp there, and we're going to finish off those first six chapters today. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 5 and Daniel chapter 6. I'm just going to kind of tell you the story of chapter 5. I would encourage you to come, uh, go back and read that for yourself. I always go back and read these things and learn them. There are lots of details that, uh, just for time reasons, we can't cover every single detail. So uh, please do go back and always read God's Word for yourself. And then uh, we'll pick up in uh, chapter 6 if you want to keep a finger there because there's going to be some verses we're all going to look at and read when we get to that point in the story. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for the freedom to come in this house and worship you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to learn from your word, help us to learn from the example of Daniel. God, I pray that you would help us to be bold for you in our lives. I pray that we would be faithful to live for you, dear Lord, on the, on the good days and on the bad days. And I pray that you just would hide me behind the cross this morning as I preach and teach, and that you'd be glorified. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a little background to what got us up to this point. Uh, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had gone into Jerusalem and overtaken uh, the people of Judah. He had overtaken Jerusalem, and many of the, the people of Jerusalem had been taken back to Babylon. And in that group were four really godly men that the story's kind of focused on up to this point. And Daniel, and they are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these three men, they kind of were distinguished from the other ones that came because they continued to trust in the Lord, and the Lord had blessed them through all that had gone on. And God had even given Daniel the, the ability to interpret dreams and visions and things like that. And when King Nebuchadnezzar had a crazy dream, he called Daniel in when nobody else could, could reveal it to him. And Daniel revealed it to him by the power of God. He told King Nebuchadnezzar uh, what the dream meant. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also had an occasion where they stood before the king. And the king said, look, anybody that doesn't bow and worship my statue will be thrown into a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, No, we are going to stand for God. We will never bow to you, king. Well, God delivered them from the fiery furnace, and King Nebuchadnezzar praised God in the same way that he had praised God whenever Daniel had revealed his dream to him. So Nebuchadnezzar had this exposure to the Lord, and he knew the Lord. And as the story progresses on, we see that eventually he begins to trust in the Lord because after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king had another vision which Daniel had revealed to him and said, Look, king, God's going to chop you down. Uh, you, you've been this great kingdom that God has blessed you with, and it's because of him that you've come into power. Uh, but God is about to humble you because you're exalting yourself. And King Nebuchadnezzar was like a wild animal for seven periods of time, it says. He was eating the grass of the field, and his hair was like uh, the, the, the feathers of an eagle, and his fingernails were like claws of a bird. But then King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself before the Lord. He humbled himself and he began to praise God. And he acknowledged that God was in control of everything. 
And when he did, his kingdom was restored. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the last thing we see of him is that he is praising the Lord. And in Daniel chapter 5, we are introduced to a new king. The time of King Nebuchadnezzar has passed by, and a new king has come onto the scene, King Belshazzar. Now, Daniel also has a separate name that he goes by in the book, and Daniel is sometimes referred to in the, in the book of Daniel as Belteshazzar, which sounds very similar to Belshazzar. So if you ever read and you see those two names, one is referring to Daniel and one is referring to the king. Now, typically, when I'm talking about it, I always just say Daniel. It's easy for us to, uh, to, to remember because we're familiar with that name. So if you ever read and you see Belteshazzar and Belshazzar, two different people. But Belshazzar was the king that came into power after Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Belshazzar was having this huge feast, it tells us in Daniel 5, of a thousand people. There were a lot of people that were there. And boy, they were drinking. He was drunk, the text says, and they were having a merry old time. And he said, look, I want the, the vessels or the goblets or the cups, if we can call them that, that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem to be brought to me and my family and friends so we can drink from them. You see, when King Nebuchadnezzar had went in and overtaken Jerusalem, and he had sent some of his people into the temple to take some of the vessels and the utensils and the things that were in God's temple. And these things were in the land of Babylon, and these were the things that Belshazzar was calling for. He said, bring me these cups that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. And so these cups were brought to him, and he and his wife and his concubines, they all began to drink wine from these cups that were taken from God's temple. And boy, they were having a merry old time. And while they were drinking from the Lord's cups, uh, they began to worship their false idols, their false gods that were made of gold and silver and wood and stone. And, and they were praising these false gods. And in the midst of their party, while this was going on, all of a sudden, fingers appeared out of nowhere. Fingers from a human hand appeared. And they begin to write on the wall of the palace. They begin to, to inscribe something into the plaster on the palace wall. And the king was terrified. It says that he was so terrified that his, that his hip bones shook in their joints. That he was so terrified that his knees began to knock together. He turned pale. And you can understand so. Boy, if fingers appear and begin to write on these walls beside us today, I suspect most of us would have a similar reaction to that of the king. And this finger began to write this inscription on the wall, and the king didn't know what it said. So he called for his mediums and his astrologers. And you may remember them when we talked about them last week from King Nebuchadnezzar. All of these crazy people, I call them crazy people, that he, was, that he was turning to, trying to get some answers to what was going on. Of course, they weren't godly people. They weren't getting guidance from the God. From God. They were getting guidance from the devil at best, or either making stuff up. Uh, and, and, and all of these things were, were, were going on, and they couldn't help King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Belshazzar called for these same uh, mediums and astrologers, and they couldn't tell what the inscription was, and he came, became even more afraid, the scripture says. But the queen was there, and she went to the king, and she said, King, don't be afraid, don't be terrified. She said, I know of one, one who served King Nebuchadnezzar who come before you. His name is Daniel. He has power, he has wisdom, he has the ability to understand and interpret mysteries and crazy things like this. Now the king had told all of his men, he said, look. He said, anybody that can tell me what 
this writing on the wall names. Anybody who can tell you this inscription, I'll give them. I'll give them a gold chain to wear. I'll give them a purple robe to wear, and I'll put them as third in command in the kingdom. Now, gold chains and purple robes may not sound like much to us, but purple, in particular, in those days, was a very rare thing. So when the king says that he's going to give Daniel or whoever interprets this inscription a, a robe of purple, it was a big deal. Now, most of us probably have a purple shirt or some purple pants, something purple, in our closet. But you see, in those days, purple was a rarity. Because uh, to make purple dye required uh, a specific thing that came only from sea snails. It was a mucus that was within sea snails, and there was only a very, very tiny amount. And it would take up to 250,000 of these sea snails to make one ounce of purple dye. So it was very expensive, and it was very rare. And here the king was saying, look, if you can tell me this inscription, I'm going to give you a purple robe and a gold chain to wear and make you the third in command in the kingdom. Well, none of the king's men could claim this reward because they didn't know what the inscription said. But the king called for Daniel when the queen came in and said, look, I know of one. I know of this Daniel. He has the power to tell you what this means. The king said, summon him. Bring him to me. And he told Daniel, look, I'll give you all this stuff. Daniel said, I don't want your stuff. He said, keep your stuff. Give your rewards to somebody else. He said, but I'll tell you what the inscription on the wall means. He said, the king that came before you, King Nebuchadnezzar, boy, he was a man that God had really blessed. God had put King Nebuchadnezzar into power, and he had allowed him to build this big kingdom. And boy, King Nebuchadnezzar was over all the nations, and God had blessed him. But King Nebuchadnezzar exalted himself above God. King Nebuchadnezzar became proud and arrogant. And as a result, Daniel said, God humbled him. But then King Nebuchadnezzar called out to the Lord. He acknowledged God. He acknowledged that God was in control. And when he did, Daniel said, boy, his, his kingdom was restored to him. King Nebuchadnezzar had figured it out. He recognized who God was. But Daniel said, you, King Belshazzar, you knew all of these things. You knew of King Nebuchadnezzar and what he had done. But yet you have not humbled yourself like King Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, you have become proud. Instead, you have exalted yourself. Instead, you have not turned to God, but you have turned away from God. And because of this, King Belshazzar, Daniel said, I'm going to tell you the inscription. The inscription you see says, Many, many Tekel Parson. He said, and this inscription means, many means, that God has left you and is going to take the kingdom from you. Tekel means that you have been weighed in the balance and you have been found insufficient. And parson, or Perez in some translations, means that the kingdom has been taken from you and it's been divided among the Medes and the Persians. Well, even though the Daniel had told the king he didn't want any of his rewards. The king gave these things to Daniel anyway. It says that very night, the king Belshazzar was killed, and the kingdom was given to another. And King Darius became king after Belshazzar. And once King Darius became king of the land, he began to set up people to, to govern the land. 
He's put 120 governors, or satraps, some of your Bibles may call them. He put these governors over the land to, to look over all of these different provinces of the land. There were 120 of them that he had put into place, and there were three administrators that he had put into place. And they were to look over all of the governors of the land. And of those three administrators, Daniel was one of them. You see, Daniel had distinguished himself above all the others in the land. Now, we've seen this all throughout the book of Daniel up to this point. He was a man who had continued to trust in God and serve the Lord, and God was with him, and he was distinguished among others because of that. And so Daniel was distinguished among the other administrators of the land, and so King Darius sought to put Daniel over all of the other administrators and all of the other governors of the land. The rest of the administrators and governors, boy, they didn't like that. They didn't like Daniel, and they didn't want Daniel to be over them. So they said, we must come up with a plan. So they said, what can we do to Daniel? What can we find against Daniel? Can we get some dirt on him? But there was nothing they could find on Daniel. They couldn't find any dirt on him because he was an honest man, a trustworthy man. He was a godly man. And they said, there's nothing we can find on Daniel. The only way that we're going to get Daniel in trouble, the only way that we can get Daniel out of our life and get rid of him, is to find something that has to do with he and his God. Because they knew he was faithful to God. They knew that he would never deny his God, so they said, that's how we're going to get him. So they came up with this plan that they thought was a master plan. And they went before King Darius and they said, King, they said, we think you need to make an edict need to make a law. You need to put it in place for a few days. That anybody that prays to any god or any man other than you, that they be punished, king. That they be thrown into the lion's den. The king said, okay. I'll put this law into effect. I'll sign the document. I'll sign the law and make it effective. That anybody that prays to anybody other than me is going to be thrown into the lion's den. This was a problem for Daniel, right? Because he was a man of God. He prayed to God. Surely, knowing that there was a law, that his life was in jeopardy if he was to pray to God now, surely he would not pray to God anymore. Well, let's see what the text says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upper room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So boy, they had this master plan. They knew Daniel wasn't going to deny his God, and he didn't. Daniel heard about this law that was passed. He knew the king had signed the document to put it into place, but it did not faze Daniel a bit. Just as he had done every day before, Daniel went into his room with the windows open toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got on his knees and he prayed to God. He was not afraid to be bold for the Lord. He was not afraid to praise the Lord. He was not afraid to thank the Lord. Much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though his life was in jeopardy, he was ready to stand for the Lord. 
Now those who were out to get Daniel, they knew Daniel was going to pray to God. So they were watching and they were waiting. And whenever Daniel went to his room to pray and they saw him praying, they said, with God. So they rushed back to the king and they said, King, didn't you pass this law that said nobody could pray to anybody else, any other God, any other man other than you? The king said, yes. Yeah. And they said, well, we just wanted to let you know that Daniel has been praying to his God. Now the law that the king had put into place, it could not be revoked. It could not be changed. It had to be carried out because the king had signed off on it. He couldn't take it back. And the king was very displeased at what he had heard. He was displeased at this news because he liked Daniel. And he thought and he thought all that day, what can I do to save Daniel? How can I deliver Daniel? But there was nothing the king could do. And so the order was given. That Daniel be taken and thrown into the lion's den. And the king was there as Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and a stone was rolled over the den, over the cave where the lions were. And he said, Daniel, may your God watch over you. May your God that you pray to, may he take care of you. And King Darius returned to the palace. And all that night, boy, he just could not, he could not sleep. Boy, he was, he was anxious. He was thinking about Daniel. He could not eat. He could not sleep. He asked if nobody even come in and disturb him. Oh, he was worried about Daniel. What was going to happen to Daniel? Well, we see at the end of the story. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They haven't hurt me. For I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den uninjured, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lion overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth, May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Now one thing that we have seen throughout all of these stories of Daniel and Shadrach, 
Meshach, and Abednego? Is it because of their loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord? Because they trusted God, because they did not deny God, because they stood for God, people around them noticed. Because of their stand, others praised God. Two of the kings we've seen so far, both Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, they saw the lives that these men lived, and they said, glory be to God. Look at the God that they serve. Serve the God that they serve. Praise the God that they praise because they were willing to take a stand for the Lord. They were not ashamed of the Lord and they were ready to stand bold no matter what happened to them. We saw it in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And we see it here with Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, would I be brave enough if my life was on the line today? Would I be brave enough if I was dragged out of here today knowing I was going to be thrown into the lion's den? If I kept preaching God's Word, if I kept living for God, if I kept praying to God, would I be bold enough to keep doing so? Would you be bold enough keep doing so. Can you imagine how scary that is to think about? Now, I don't know if Daniel was afraid or not. Perhaps he had no fear whatsoever. Perhaps his faith was so strong that he had no fear. Perhaps there was a little fear as he was drawn closer and closer to that lion's den. As he was thrown in and the stone was rolled over the entrance. Perhaps there was some fear in his life. What about you and I, though? If times come in our life when we need to take a stand for God, and there may be consequences, maybe the consequences won't be that bad. Perhaps we just stand up for doing the right thing in our job or amongst our friends, and maybe our friends disown us, or maybe they make fun of us. Well, that's not a good thing, but we can live with that. But what if it's something more serious? What if our stand for the Lord causes us to be harmed physically? What if our very life is placed on the line to stand for the Lord? Are we ready to make that stand in our life? Now it's easy for us when we sit here and read through Scripture today and we hear the story and we say, you know what? I'm ready, God. Whatever you call me to do, I'm ready to do it. I will stand for you, dear Lord. I will die for you. And it's easy for us to say that. And we all want to do that, hopefully. Hopefully we all have that desire in our heart to stand for the Lord and to die for the Lord should it come to that. But when the moment comes, how can we be ready to die for the Lord? How can we be ready to stand for the Lord in difficult times? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel could stand for the Lord when their life was on the line because they lived for the Lord every day. Because they served the Lord every day. Because they would pray to the Lord every day. Because they would seek the Lord every day. The reason that they could stand for the Lord, even when their life was on the line, is because they had been living for the Lord. They were ready to die for the Lord because they were living for the Lord every day. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's how we get ready for things that we may face. If we're not in God's Word, 
If we're not praying to the Lord, if we're not seeking to live for the Lord and be obedient for Him, if we're not living for Him today, then we may not be ready to die for Him tomorrow. But if we are living for the Lord and are obedient to Him and are listening to what His words say and following what His words say and trying to be more and more like Him, if we are growing in Him and being strengthened in Him every day by living for Him, then guess what? When we come up against times in our life that are difficult, we too will be ready and willing and able to stand just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were. But we get to the point that we're ready and willing and able to stand for the Lord when we live for the Lord daily. When we focus on the Lord and we trust in the Lord. We listen to God's word and we live by God's word. That's what helps us to be ready to stand even in the most troubling times. And just as God was with his people that we see in the book of Daniel, he will be with us. Now that doesn't mean we will never experience any harm. That doesn't mean that we will never experience any hard times. The Bible is full of some of God's people that experience hard times. But the Bible also has stories like these. And there are some instances where God delivers his people. But as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, look, we know that God has the power to deliver us in any and every situation. And should he choose to, we will praise him. But should he choose not to deliver us, we will still praise him. Now, God delivered Daniel from death. He delivered him from the lions. Daniel praised him and the king praised him. Probably others around praised him as well. But that's not the greatest story of somebody that God has delivered from death. There was another who was tucked away in a cave with a stone rolled against his entrance who was left for dead. But he wasn't dead. And that was Jesus Christ. The very one that, that the Bible says is like a roaring lion looking for one to devour is Satan. And boy, when Jesus was nailed to a cross, I, I bet Satan probably thought that he had won. When Jesus was put into that tomb and the stone was rolled in front of it, I, I suspect Satan probably thought that he had succeeded in his task. But the stone was rolled away. And Jesus was not dead, but he was alive. Just as when the stone was rolled away for Daniel, he was not dead, but he was alive. He had been saved from the mouth of the lions, just in the same way that Jesus Christ had been delivered from that roaring lion, the devil, who was seeking to kill him. Jesus wasn't dead when the stone was rolled away. He was alive and well, and he is still alive and well today. And because God delivered Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Because he had conquered sin and death. Because Jesus is triumphant. We come to this place today and we worship God. Because God is a God who can deliver. God is a God who is with those who are his. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be ready to live for God. We need to be ready to live for God every day so if the day comes that we are called to die for God, we will be bold and strong like Daniel was and say, Lord, I'm not going to deny you, but I'm going to stand for you. 
God, I'm ready to die for you because I have been living for you. And you have strengthened me, God. You have been with me. I have been with you. And I know that you will be with me now, whatever happens. We need to be ready to stand bold for the Lord. And if we do that more, we may be shocked that God may do some miraculous things in our lives. We may be shocked that, hey, you know what? By doing the right thing, I never thought that this thing would occur. I thought for sure it would end up bad. But how many times does God take things that are intended for evil that look really bad, but he does good to those who are faithful to him? Maybe there are times that we say, boy, if I take a stand for God, this isn't going to end good. God may just surprise us at how he can work through what we do. Daniel took a stand for God all throughout the book of Daniel. And guess what? He was distinguished among everybody else in the land. Why? Because he was a man of God. Because he was following God. And people noticed that. And guess what? People will notice that for you and I. It may be that God may call us to take a stand. Amongst our family, our friends, our co-workers, <coughs> our fellow classmates, just random people we encounter. We never know when we take a stand and say, you know what, I'm going to trust God. We never know what God may do, how he may work. A miracle that may take place that people may see because we're willing to take a stand for the Lord. We may be surprised at how many times that we stand for the Lord and he delivers us. And even if he does not deliver us, from the stand we take for him here. Even if we are ridiculed and mocked. Even if our very life is taken from us. He will even deliver us from death. The Bible says don't worry about those who can, who can take your life. Don't worry about those who can do things to you now. Focus on the one who can pass judgment on you. The one who you're going to have to stand before one day. One day we're going to stand before the Lord. We shouldn't fear those of this world because the worst that people can do to us is kill us. You say, that's pretty bad. Well, yeah, it is pretty bad. And it would be horrible. It would be horrible to be killed. It would be horrible to die. It would be horrible to lose our life if there was not a God who could deliver us. It would be horrible to die if there had not been the Savior of the world and Jesus Christ who had given his life so that we could be forgiven. But the worst that can happen to us if we stand for God is that we lose our life. And after we do that, guess what? God's going to deliver us. Death will not have the final say. Our enemies will not have the final say. So let us think of these stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the stories of Daniel about their boldness about how they're standing for the Lord when he delivered them, draw, uh, drew others to look to the Lord, brought attention to the Lord and his power and his deliverance. And let us seek to be that example for those we encounter. That we always do the right thing. That we stand bold for the Lord even in the most difficult times. And that we give God the glory knowing that he is a God who delivers through his son Jesus Christ. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words, and I pray that you would help us to learn from them and live by them every morning. I pray that you help us to live for you every day, to grow in you every day, to be strengthened by you every day, so that God, when the time comes that we have to stand for you, we'll be ready to do it, because we've already been living for you, dear Lord. It won't be hard for us to live for you, even in the tough times. So God, I pray that you would help us to trust you in everything. 
pray that if there is one in this room that has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, that they would do so this morning. That they would accept that he died on the cross so that they could be forgiven. That they would put their faith in him and follow him as their Lord and Savior. God, that they would know the truth of your word that says that he was delivered from death by God by you, that he was raised three days later. God, I pray that they believe that truth. I pray that they put their faith and trust in your Lord. I pray that they follow through in baptism just to seek a man. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to look at that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God, thank you for the deliverance that you give us in all the situations you already have and the deliverance you give us in the ones that will come. Help us to be bold for you and stand for what is right, even when it's tough, dear Lord. And God, even if our life is ever called to be on the line, God, help us to be bold. Help us not to be afraid, but help us to trust you. God, to know that whatever happens to us, you will deliver us. Whether that deliverance comes in this life or whether that deliverance comes when we are in eternity with you, God, let us trust you through whatever comes our way. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.